What's going on? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. Um, But until we get there, I am your host, Josh. Uh, Thanks for stopping by. Uh, So, I hope everyone is doing well. Um, I want to start off the episode just by saying that I think with the resurgence of COVID within the first world, you know, our lack of care and concern for the rest of the world and our inability to throw away our needs for profit and etc and you know start taking steps away from you know kind of medical patents and uh, you know privatizing vaccines and you know ventilator production Um, there was no you know kind of worldwide coalition to truly stomp out the COVID-19 virus. Um, I think with the Delta variant making its way into many parts of America and uh, there being a gamma variant even in different places of the world, um, with that, with kind of a lot of the environmental issues which we are bearing witness to, Uh, the recent heat wave, the earthquakes in Haiti, which, by the way, if anyone, you know, uh, doesn't know about that, Haiti just had two uh, earthquakes back-to-back. This after the assassination of Jovenel Moise um, and the kind of year or two uh, long... Uh, protests, demonstrations, um, struggle against UN intervention, against capitalist uh, accumulation and exploitation. So with stuff like that, with line three going on up in Minnesota or what we should know as Anishinaabe territory, (coughs) excuse me, um, and the tar sands which are going to be pumped right over the Mississippi River and many other waterways which feed into our freshwater streams and are also used as uh, drinking water. So not only will it kill the animals, not only will it destroy the environment, um, but it also will contaminate the water which you and I drink and therefore will lead further towards what many people are calling the water wars, unironically, as if this is not a thing that has already been going on for, you know, decades in places like Africa and places like, um, you know, Latin America, where if there isn't mines, if there isn't uh, factories, if there isn't roads, there isn't water most of the time, unless you know, there are these areas where they have been able to sustain themselves and not be interfered with by outside exploitation. But those areas are very few and far between. So, 
you know, most of the world has already been struggling for water. Flint, Michigan, come on now. This is the place that we always talk about. Flint, Michigan still doesn't have clean drinking water. And this is just, you know, that's one of the most blatant signs of just complete disinterest by capitalism in its inherent nature to actually provide the needs for the masses because it is not profitable. With all these things going on, with also a lot of us dealing with heightened depression, heightened anxiety, not really knowing, you know, what to expect from the world, from our life, with that most recent IPCC report coming out, scaring the shit out of so many of us. Um, I want to take this moment to tell you all um, that, you know, things are hard. Things are going to get harder. But the only way that something like this, something like this worldwide catastrophe that is capitalism, can only be overcome, truly, not not just because I think so, not just because, you know, some other people think so, but because historically speaking, it has taken coordination. It has taken cooperation. It has taken aligned interests. It has taken solidarity. It has taken organization and militancy and discipline for the masses, for the oppressed people of a given society to to be able to overthrow the ruling class and the ruling uh, class structure <clears throat> as well as the economic mode of production in order to see the world change. That, you know, that's just true. This is a way by which we know that revolutions have been organized, you know, for a very, very long time because even as far back as the early slave societies in places like Rome, um, the Spartan uprising, uh, or I I shouldn't say the Spartan uprising, um... I don't actually remember what the name of that is, and I just kind of threw that out there, but the movie 300 is about it, whatever that uprising is, where, like, the former slave organizes the slave revolts and stuff like that. I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of that historical moment, but anyways, there's a, there's a nice little brain fart for you guys, um, But I think we need to take this moment to recognize that if we come together, like truly, not just in words, not just by passing laws or asking people to pass laws for us that we think will, uh, you know, change people's mindset, change people's thoughts. Um, As we know, thoughts, ideas, beliefs, morals, ethics, values... They are all a reflection of their given environment. So until the environment outside us changes within places like America, you won't see a monumental change in the mindset of the people. You have to get down and actually change things that would allow people to hold racist beliefs. You have to get rid of the private prison system if you don't want... Uh, super racist people to think that black and brown people are only criminals. 
You have to erase the criminal justice system as it exists in the United States to begin truly combating those ideas because those people don't seek out the, the change to their minds. And even when you or myself were to present them with other, you know, ideas, their material reality is coming through a TV screen or coming through a podcast like this. And that's how their ideology is being shaped because they are not in an environment usually where they have to actually see these things happening and have that lead to questions and misunderstandings about the world around them. So what I'm saying here is that most, most of what our work needs to be, what we need to do to be able to make connections with other human beings, to grow our communities, to have mutual support and love and camaraderie uh, from the people around you. We have to build that. It, it will not come just because we're all going through shit times. As you see, a majority of the people, especially here in the United States, they don't fucking care because Walmart's been open this whole time. So obviously this pandemic isn't real. And oh, the CDC keeps changing its mind. So, you know, obviously that means that they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So we're just going to completely do whatever it is we want. Or, you know, the people who just sit there and say like, hey, nothing can change. Nothing's going to change. So we might as well just give up. Or, you know what, things are as bad as they are. What are you going to do about it? You might as well become one of the ones at the top, right? That's what so many different people say. Um, There's so much more that people say about uh, what it's like to live today that is just blatantly incorrect when you look at the material reality. But we're not taught to understand the material reality. We're not taught to understand or think critically about the conditions that we live in. And, you know, even though some of us might be able to have personal lives that are a little bit better than those of others... This really doesn't ultimately mean anything because at the end of the day, if you lose your job, at the end of the day, if you have to take out a loan and you end up not being able to pay it and they take your house away, or, you know, even worse, if you went unemployed during the pandemic and now there's no jobs around you that pay a living wage, so you're going to lose your apartment and have to move back in with your mom because the rent moratorium is going to go up. You know, I have friends who are having to go through this right now. And, you know, that's a a proof that a situation like ours is volatile. There's no such thing as things staying the same. So if we think that things will never change, we haven't been paying attention. But where this feel... And before I go any further, I just want to say my point of bringing all this up is we need to be loving one another We need to be coming together in even small moments, you know, going out and getting a cup of coffee or smoking together or, you know, going and leading a study group or a teaching in your community in order to build, you know, that kind of relationship. Um, You know, meeting your neighbors, sharing food with them, um, going to any kind of public events or cultural events and trying to meet folks in your area. Like, these are ways that 
we really need to be dedicating ourselves to. Because again, this is not something that comes naturally. Our environment is making it so that we do not want to participate in these things, especially with COVID, right? We got to be extra careful, but we can't just necessarily just give up on the on life now we have to figure out ways to still have those connections whether it be through zoom whether it be through kind of you know like something i did during the pandemic was me and my homies would go like you know go park somewhere um and just kind of be like 10 15 feet apart with our masks on and just yelling to each other you know um so you know, whatever it is that we got to do to be texting people, FaceTiming, shit like that. Like, there are ways. I know it seems uh, uh, a little bit less kind of real, and I 100% have been struggling with that, so I know. But at the same time, like, we can't give up because, well, then what? You know? Um, We're seeing what happens right now when we give up private corporations don't the governments which are giving off all of our taxes as subsidies to these companies this you know that's what happens when we give up that's what happens when we let neoliberalism take the stage and not fight it with every goddamn piece of us that we have um so in this moment we have to be coming together because this is the only fucking way we're going to make it through whether that be physically or mentally emotionally like we are a dying breed right now in a lot of ways mostly on top of the just very environmental and ecological reasons but also as a human species we are social beings And more and more and more, every single year, every single crisis, every single reorganization and centralization of capital causes more division of labor. It causes more unemployment. It causes more homelessness, which lead to more struggles with mental health, which lead to more drug abuse, which lead towards more violence and quote-unquote crime. But if we do not analyze these things from their central point, their central point of origin, if we do not, as I've said before, spray at the base of the fire, then we are not going to alleviate or get rid of these versions of oppression. And if we want to actually spray at the base of the fire, we have to be spraying at the goddamn base of the fire. That means we have to go out. We have to organize our communities. We have to go talk to people. We have to meet our neighbors. We have to uh, hold teach-ins and study sessions, whether that be on Marxist texts, whether that be on COVID and and precautions and and how viruses work, whether that be on sexual assault, whether that be on racism, whether that be on anything. We need to be building community because there was a period in time where your life depended on, and you knew it, it depended on, the actual community as a whole operating successfully. And we're crazy to think that that's not the very way in which we have been able to survive today. We just do not understand that there has to be a socialized version of that. There has to be a communal version of that where instead of the global South being exploited to no end, where instead of children 
being, you know, having to suffer all kinds of awful uh, lives uh, due to having to work at a very young age in these exploited countries in order to earn, you know, a living to be able to eat. Um, if we want to see the end to that shit, then we got to be building it here. We have to understand that our society is still wholeheartedly dependent on every single one of us working together, except the reason why society has been collapsing is because most of us have been doing that, right? Most of us have been going to work every single day like we're supposed to. Most of us have been wearing our masks. Many of us went and got our vaccines. Most of us pay our taxes. Most of us drive on the right side of the road, right? But then there's some of us, right? Very few. Some might say 1%. The actual statistic is about half of 1% who do not do their part in building community. They actually, uh, they actually destroy community. They actually cause it to rot from the inside. And they do it under the guise of efficiency, productivity, technological and other advancements, modernization. These are the words they tell us, right? But as we know, what these ruling class individuals, the people who are at the very top, who when you and I labor, they appropriate, they own, they get to sell, the products of our labor. They also, not because that would be one thing, right? That would be one thing if they did that. But on top of that, they own everything in the process of that production. They own the materials, they own the resources, they own the transportation, they own the workers, that's you and me. They own everything. So those motherfuckers are the ones who are telling us, who are building a society which is creating a lack of communalization, a lack of socializing, a lack of cooperation, coordination, and organization, not towards the appropriation by, by some of the products of the many, but the appropriation of the products of the many by the many. The ownership of the products created by the workers, owned by the workers. This is a system which we do not uh, uh, see any United States, any Western country uh, proclaiming any information about. Instead, they actually do the opposite. They, They create massive propaganda. They build and continue to build a society where capital and its ruling power is able to destroy not only the environment, not only the economy, not only the community, but also the people themselves leads them towards mental breaks. Our suicide rates are higher than they've ever been. Our mental health rates in children, in teenagers are higher every single fucking year. The rates of addiction, the rates of drug abuse, the rates of homelessness, the rates of poverty, the rates of joblessness, all of this has steadily increased. 
and they'll they'll botch the numbers they'll they'll manipulate them so you know one season you know we we didn't actually do a full census so now the unemployment rate looks really good because well now we're saying that if you've been unemployed for three months but you haven't actively looked for a job well then you don't count as unemployed you're jobless but you're not unemployed so you won't be counted on the statistics so look at that x x and y you know administration oh look at them they 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 took down the unemployment rate inflation is up gas prices are up all of these things are a direct result of capital capitalism's attempt to organize itself in a way which cannot cannot lead to anything except for constant growth all the way to itself eating itself towards imminent destruction this is where we are at this is where we are sitting at and so the only way to stop this is to recognize a who is perpetuating this pain and how is it enacted the united states and other powers throughout the years have created empires empires which rule entire parts of the globe through trade through military occupation through other means like nuclear arsenals pointed at the biggest cities with populations of hundreds of thousands of people let's not forget about hiroshima and and nagasaki that that anniversary passed not too long hundreds of thousands of people dead in an instant they'll do that they'll do that to uh tulsa they'll do that to central park where they used to have seneca village they'll tear you right the fuck down and they'll send the white mobs in to kill you too these motherfuckers are the reason they have names they have addresses they have corporations which are destroying the planet we have a military right and this is this is how this empire keeps its power we have a military which every single year more and more of our tax dollars go to Our budget is over $700 billion, which on average ends up being over this last year. It was $1.2 trillion that was actually spent on the military budget last year. And I would promise you this, that it's going to be bigger this year. I promise you this, it's going to keep getting bigger because guess what? As things progress, we are running out of people to exploit. We are running out of ways of trying to actually militarily occupy and physically grab the resources which will not lead to a larger conflict. We are running out of the ability to do so. The morale within the United States for the imperialism that we continue to cause and continue to participate in is slowly but surely breaking down. And this year during the pandemic, seeing how our uh, government and how our corporations made off during the pandemic and how most of us still are suffering. We might have lost loved ones. We might be losing loved ones. We might have lost our job, our house, our hope, right? But it's not enough. This is not enough. This has to be organized. This has to be cultivated. We have to work with this and keep telling people, listen, it can be better. It will be better. And we're going to make it better. But the imperialism that the United States Empire and other empires themselves as well, whether that's, you know, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, the Dutch East Empire, it doesn't matter. Uh, They build an empire by 
exploiting and appropriating and uh, stealing from the rest of the world. This is how the United States built its wealth. This is how uh, Rome built its wealth. This is how Britain and France and uh, the Dutch have built their wealth is by going outside of their borders and stealing from, stealing the resources, the cheap labor, the very culture and, and, and the very people themselves from entire regions of the world. This is how an umpire builds, builds itself. There's no pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. It's pulling someone else's bootstraps on, putting them on yourself and saying, hey, look it, I got bootstraps that I can pull myself up by. That, and you might kill the person in the meantime. What, you know, why not? You might make him make you more belt straps. But this is how an empire keeps itself up. It's through imperialism, the exploitation of others that empires use to cultivate power because you cannot just simply have power for power's sake. You need power built on wealth. You need power built on military power through you know, wealth which builds the guns, through wealth which builds the tanks, through wealth which builds up the armies and the army bases that are larger than any other military in all of history. You need wealth to do it. And there was a time when we knew this, especially, you know, in in exploited areas of the world. Even here in the United States, we had large labor uprisings, which got, unfortunately, mostly white men a lot of gains because it also led to the further exploitation of what we might call cheap labor, such as, you know, slaves, such as black and brown people after slavery, prison labor, such as the exploitation of the land of the indigenous populations, which led to the abuse of their people. Um, and, and, you know, this is this is what the labor unions in the United States were able to gain, though. Uh, the eight-hour workday. Um, we get, you know, 40 hours a week. We got a minimum wage. We got some protections. We can unionize. But other than that, you know, again, these were gains for white working class people so we have to take it further we have to recognize that even though this much has been done it hasn't overthrown the whole system and the system itself is perpetuating this empire which now also has turned on itself it it has you know for its whole time also been eating itself from the inside and exploiting the people within the empire Um, there's a few different ways that they do this but the way in which that i want to talk about especially because this is, you know, the best way to truly understand it, is they exploit us expressly through our tax dollars. Um, Michael Parenti does so many great conversations on this, but the one where he really puts it to you is he says, you know, we might have spent $9 billion to fund this year's uh, or this, you know, campaign in the Middle East. Um, But that $9 billion came from yours and my tax dollars and the six billion dollars uh i believe this speech was given in 2007 so the six billion dollars that came out of the middle east at that time went directly to the corporations went directly to the government officials who gave them the tax subsidies went directly to the one percent that didn't replenish the public funds where that came from that was pulled right out used to get a shit ton of money for corporations and the people who got that money for corporations and then we got fucked we lost social services we lost worker protections and things like that 
So here's one way they take you for a ride, right? So that there goes your tax dollars. And, you know, many of us are hearing, whether it's our, you know, our parents, our family, friends, uh, our politicians, many of us are hearing people say things like, you know, I'm sick of paying these taxes. They want to heighten my taxes, 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 right? But how many of us really understand what taxes are supposed to be for? Because, you know, in its truest form, and it's, you know, written on paper form, taxes go to a public treasury. And then that public treasury is taken out of for certain needs of the public. I don't think necessarily the public needs the oil in Afghanistan. Or I don't think, you know... The public really needs the bauxite, the hemp, the coca, uh, you know, the rice, the beans. I don't think it needs the sugar. I don't think it needs the cheap labor of people in the global south. The public could build a fantastic community itself. It always has, you know. Um, But that's dependent on the ability to actually do so. Because if all of our tax dollars are being used and then not replenished, what ends up happening is, like I said, we have no social services. We have no health care. That's a thing that people have across the world. Their taxes go towards their health care. Here in the United States, our taxes go towards watching your sons, your daughters, your brothers, your cousins, your parents go die in a war that they probably wouldn't have ever benefited from or they might go there and be, you know, uh, uh, part in a terroristic and sadistic act of massacring innocent people across the world for corporations which don't know their name and never will and they'll never get paid from. Uh, they come back completely fucked up mentally. Uh, and then our country does absolutely nothing for them. Our homeless veteran population continues to grow. Our veteran suicide rate continues to grow. Our veteran, our veterans losing health care, going without any job, that rate keeps rising. This is something that we are doing absolutely nothing about. But we have trillions of dollars of taxes to do something about. But we don't care, right? That won't help us. And it surely won't help the corporations who are the ones actually getting the money out of our taxes. So this is where I don't understand the break-off is if we understand that the corporations are bad, if we understand that the government never does anything for us and they ought to fuck off, if we understand that our taxes aren't being used for what we need them to be used for, then what are we doing here, folks? What are we doing here? But there's a process which has created this mentality of nothingness. This mentality of nothing can be done. There is a process which has happened, which has taken the spirit, the hope, and the ability, the actual ability away from us to organize, to agitate, to propagandize, and to fight this fucking system. And that is called capitalist realism. And this is a very important topic to learn about. I don't have much time, but I'd like to talk about it in brief. Capitalist realism in the way in which Mark Fisher, the author of the book, Capitalist Realism, meant it to me is the fact that capitalism, through its own natural uh, mode of production, through its own natural progression, 
has created a mentality that ultimately seems as if there is nothing else to come. It's created a negative feedback loop where the world as it is, we have decidedly said, well, you know, it is what it is. There's nothing we can do about it. But more than that, it's even deeper. It's us thinking that we know that there's nothing to do because we haven't done anything. And this, you know, ultimately continuously will feed into itself. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. It is like when you tell yourself your whole life, I'm just like my father. I'm just like my father. I'm just like my father. And then you end up acting and being exactly like your father. And then to you, that fulfills your mentality, your fear that you've had this whole time that you're going to be like your father. But in actuality, you have created that. You have manifested that, as uh, some people might say. You have cultivated that mentality, which has led towards certain actions, which has led towards certain beliefs. And you have ultimately altered your state of reality because you are not allowing yourself to see in true material fashion that, in fact, you are not much like your father. But you keep acting like that, you're going to turn out like him. Um, you know, this is just one way that you hear some people talk about, uh, fears that they have and, and kind of a way to connect it. So, you know, capitalist realism, again, is a negative feedback loop. It basically says nothing's going to change because I know it won't change. So I'm not going to do anything to change it. Seems like a fantastic idea, right? But here's the thing. That's slowly breaking down. Capitalist realism creates in us a state of mind that says nothing can be done, but that is not true anymore. And we're seeing that all over the world outside of the empire, outside of these capitalist hegemonic powers such as the United States and other Western countries. Um, We are seeing the tide of, you know, rebellion. We are seeing the tide of resistance, anti-imperialism. We are seeing a fight against the empires. We are seeing an attempt to take down the state of things. We are seeing an attempt by the masses to create their own system, their own way of governing. Now, this isn't always socialist. This isn't always Marxist. Most of the time, this is simply national liberation. Many times, this is also maybe about resource nationalization, which usually comes with national liberation. Sometimes it's even conservative nationalism, which leads towards national liberation. For example, Saddam Hussein in Iraq. He was a uh, far-right militarist. And the United States funded him for, I believe, 10 years, helped him and supported him to take power in Iraq. And then he leads towards certain nationalization. And then, oh, oh, CIA decides, ah, we don't like that, that, uh, that Hussein guy over there. Why, you know, maybe, maybe we ought to call him a terrorist, which in, you know, many many ways he was, um, 
call him, you know, all kinds of things. And, and that'll help us to go to war with him, right? So that's what they did. That's what they do. Um, and they do that not necessarily because, you know, they are a serious threat to the Empire, such as places like Granada. Um, but in fact, they are ways in which the Empire can make an example and say, this is what happens when you try to say something, when you try to do something different. We're not going to let that happen. <clears throat> but these motherfuckers forgot that oppressed people do not stay oppressed for too long. And most empires, on average, only stay around for roughly 300 years. Uh, the United States empire is at its 245th year. Um, that is just something to keep in mind. But, you know, the the state of the empire is fueled by capitalism. This is the core creation that has allowed the empire to fuel itself and to come into creation as it has. Capitalism, of course, is just a new mode of production. There was feudalism, there was slave societies, there was all kinds of different economic modes of production before capitalism. Um, but the issue has been, A, the very nature of capitalism for consistent and constant growth, the destruction of resources, people, uh, land, etc., for the sake of profit, and that making logical sense, we must remember, you know, this is not capitalists being assholes or, you know, being stupid. Um, these motherfuckers aren't stupid because they are the richest people in the world. They are the most powerful people in the world. And they will continue to stay that way until we do something about it. So this is how capitalism naturally has progressed to this point. It has not, again, been some independent decisions by assholes. But this is how capitalism is. This is how capitalism always will be, whether it's white capitalism, black capitalism, brown capitalism, indigenous capitalism. It doesn't matter. Capitalism as a system has certain natural laws and tendencies which cannot be ignored, which have been studied for hundreds of years. And just because we think that our time is different doesn't mean it is because we do not actually understand the difference between form and essence, the form in which capitalism has existed for years, has always been different. It's never been the same. It never will be the same. But its essence, its essence of destruction, of capitalist gain and profit being its main objective, that has never changed. And it never will change because, again, this is the fundamental law of capitalism. So modern capitalism, albeit taking a new form, is only different in many in many few ways. Um, you know, for example, modern capitalism is making an, an attempt to go back to 1890. Um, we had a period of time then in 1890, uh, which would have made the libertarians of today and the conservatives very, very happy. No regulations. We had child labor. We had no minimum wage. We had no trade unions. We had no worker protection. But boy, it was unregulated capitalism, which means that everybody was able to get their share in the free market and everybody was doing good and nobody was suffering, right? That's why we had a typhoid epidemic. That's why we had sewers being the streets. That's why we had contaminated water. 
That's why we had contaminated food. That's why we had hunger and poverty and destitution and prostitution and child abuse, sexual abuse, destruction of land. That's why we had all these things because God damn it, capitalism is gold. Capitalism is the best thing since sliced bread and it's the most American thing since apple pie, right? Well, maybe, but that doesn't mean it's good. And that definitely doesn't mean that it can continue. So I would like to finish this episode by saying we need to take down the empire that is done in one specific way. And that is done through organizing the masses, educating and raising the consciousness, allowing them to see that it is capitalism's fault, is the bourgeoisie's fault, is the ruling class's fault that they suffer, not their own poor choices, not because They didn't work hard enough, but because the very system at its core cannot allow for the rich uh, uh, to be so plentiful. It cannot allow for the equal shares of all. It has to centralize. It has to concentrate. It has to monopolize. That is the very nature of capitalism that has been described all the way from Adam Smith to Lenin to Marx to Mao. It didn't matter because that is what capitalism is. We have to get people to the point where they recognize that. And then we have to tell them, this is what the fuck we're going to do. We are going to have a revolution. We are going to establish the dictatorship of the proletariat. And they will know at that time that this is their time, the proletariat's time, the masses' time to be in charge of themselves, to take control for themselves. Because we have been told for far too long that we cannot rule ourselves that we need someone to help us. We need some great leaders, but we don't. The masses are strong. The masses are knowledgeable. The masses are the ones who have built this society since the dawning of society, since the early agricultural societies. It has been the individuals themselves who have created this world. And therefore, they will finally be the mode They will be finally able to appropriate and own the fruits of their labor. They will be in charge. If you are still listening, thank you very much. I hope you have a lovely day. You ought to reach out to me sometime. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter at Liberation. You can also email me at indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. There's no caps or spaces. You can also find my website and my blog at forliberation.wixsite.com forward slash website. Again, no caps, no spaces. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I hope you all stay safe, stay healthy, uh, stay revolutionary, and stay organized, stay militant, stay disciplined, and let's start doing something, yeah? Have a lovely rest of your day.